0: Welcome to the podcast of Medora Pentecostal Church. We are a growing community of believers committed to bringing hope and building lives. We pray today's message is a blessing to you. Luke chapter 7 and verse 36 says, And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. Speaking of Jesus... And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment. Today, I want to preach on this topic today. It's not an easy topic. It never is. But I want to talk about the scent of sacrifice. The scent of... Of sacrifice, can we lay down our Bibles and lift up just a simple sacrifice to God right now, Lord Jesus? We bring ourselves before you, oh God, hallelujah! Jesus, God, we love you, Lord, we love you, Jesus. Have your way in this place, oh God, have your way in this place, dear God. We give you all the glory and all the honor in Jesus' mighty, mighty name. It. And the church said, Amen. You may be seated. I know this seems off subject, but have you ever smelled something that was just so horrible, just a horrible smell, so bad, so nasty that you almost puked because you smelled it? Anybody have an instance like that? It's it's rough. That you know, like sometimes it's those kinds of smells that stick with you even after you leave. It's like when you run past a skunk and like 50 yards down the road you smell it. You're like, I just passed that. Why is it with me? It sticks with you. Every step can be torture and pain and agony because the smell is still there. You ever dealt with something like that? Is it just me? Okay, I'm not alone. So most of you may know where I work. I work at a Bundy Brothers Feed Mill. I love my job. I enjoy working close to home and having the opportunity to learn different things about, you know, farming, farming culture, and just so many things to experience. And one thing that I've definitely learned about a feed mill is that there's a lot of interesting smells. (laughs) A lot of them. A lot of interesting smells. One smell in particular that I will never get over. I've worked there almost two or three years, I think. And that's what we call the Mighty Black River. Everybody say the Mighty Black River. <laughs> mhm. That sounds neat and cool. It's not. <laughs> it's not cool. Not at all. Cole knows what I'm talking about. The Mighty Black River is not near as cool as its name signifies because it's what happens. Uh, see, there's a basement underneath the mill. You know, feed falls through the crack. Water gets in the basement. So uh, it's rotten feed, rotten, nasty corn, mold, yuck. And when we have to use, put, uh, plug in the sump pump and pump it out, it literally leaves a black river down our parking lot. The mighty black river. So it's pumping out, you know, rotten feed and rotten. We call it nasty poo water because nobody wants to get the poo on them. Can I get an Amen. But the smell. Let me tell y'all something. You will never smell a smell like the mighty Black River. <laughs> it makes me wish sometimes that I, you know, somehow could like work in a flower garden or something. But you know. But then again, am I the only person that thinks that flower, the smell of flowers, is kind of overrated? Like people talk about, y'all, flowers don't smell good. they, they smell like earth, <laughs> dirt, water. I mean, okay. Flowers just don't smell good. They smell kind of like bad perfume. Has anyone ever smelled bad perfume? Like, have you walked through, like, some of those stores, like, Macy's or JCPenney, and, like, there's the people standing out there just spraying you. you? Like a drive-by. And, like, you could be talking with your buddy. And like, ah, ah, ah. It's like you're getting pepper sprayed in the face. That's kind of, like, what it is. It's all about smell. Everybody say it's all about smell. It's about the scent. You see, I believe that smell and worship are closely connected. Right. Smell and worship are closely connected. The two are connected together in a beautiful harmony. I want to take you to the very first place in the Bible that we see the word worship. Everybody say worship. 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 Genesis 22 and 5. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass. And I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come unto you again. Here we see the story of Abraham and Isaac. The very famous story. Most of us know this story and can quote it by heart. For those of you who may not know the story very well, let me elaborate this scene just real quick to kind of alliterate the verse I just read. So God told Abraham and his wife Sarah to leave their home, leave everything they know, step out in the will of God, and step out by faith. And in this time, God promised Abraham that he would give him descendants as numerous as the stars and as numerous as the grains of sand on the shoreline. However, Abraham and Sarah were really old, super old, too old to be having kids. And it didn't seem like it would happen. So Abraham tries to hurry God's plan up. You ever tried to hurry God's plan up? never works out he ends up having relations with sarah's handmaiden hagar so abraham and hagar then have a son named ishmael well that's not what god's plan was so hagar and ishmael had to leave there's some times where god has to take people out of your life because they're distractions they weren't what you wanted they weren't what you needed and out of ishmael came chaos But God fulfilled his promise through another son named Isaac. Everybody say Isaac. Isaac. So Abraham finally has the promise that he's been wanting for so long, that he's been looking forward to. Say, God, you promised me this and now I have it. Could you imagine the joy of Abraham and Sarah? They were promised a son and now they finally have the one that God promised them. They know without a doubt, this is the son that God promised me. This isn't another mess up. This isn't another screw up. This is the son of God. His pride and joy of a son that will start something so large. And Isaac would be a main part of that. A main part of continuing the kingdom of God. So in Genesis 22, verse number one, God gave Abraham... A difficult task. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham. And he said, behold, here I am. And he said, take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and give thee unto the land of Moriah and offer him there a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. God, you just promised this son to me. I just now got him. And you're telling me to do what? Sacrifice him? How does that make sense? There's importance in the sacrifice, church. So Abraham has been waiting years for his promised child. And he now finally has it. But now God is telling him to sacrifice his promise. Does that make sense? Sacrifice the promise I've given you. Give it up. Burn it. What a position to put Abraham in not only is it his son biological blood and flesh you fathers could you imagine having to sacrifice your only son but not only that it was his promise god you said that through me the kingdom would advance why kill it you've already sent ishmael away so why are you killing this one I take you back to the first place we see the word worship. Genesis 22 and verse number 5. And Abraham said unto the young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come unto you again. Isn't it interesting that the very first place we see this word worship, it's connected to sacrifice. The first place that we see worship, it's connected to sorrow, to pain. Because that's what worship truly is. My worship is my sacrifice to God. It's not easy. Some people think that I can just clap my hands and sing the songs because that's easy. That's not truly worship. Worship is sacrifice. It's hard. It doesn't look good. It doesn't feel good. Sometimes it'll hurt you. But that's where true worship comes in. Genesis 22 and 7, and Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. And he said, behold the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Where's the lamb? You see, Isaac was old enough to know how this process was supposed to go. He'd sacrificed some lambs with his father before. He knows how to do everything just right. He knows the wood has to be just right. They have to get the the fire just right. They have to build it just right. So then he asks this question, Dad, I see we've got the fire. We've got the wood. But where's the sacrifice? Church, we can have all the things we need. We can have the right instruments. We can sing the right songs. We can set the right mood for you to feel easy and comfortable to worship. But where is the sacrifice in it? We can come into a prayer room and say, God, I bring myself before you. It's easy to come together and sing the songs and sing in the right key. But it's hard to sit in my room when I'm not feeling like it, when I'm being blasted by the enemy, when I'm going through trials and say, God, I'm still going to bring my sacrifice to you it doesn't have to look pretty it's gonna be ugly I bring my brokenness to you God but it's still my sacrifice I wonder if there's someone here today that says I'm willing to look past what it looks like and say God even though it may not look right even though it may not feel right I'm still gonna bring my sacrifice to you We can play the right songs, but where is the sacrifice? See, you can have the wood and you can have the fire, but without sacrifice, it's all for nothing. Where is our sacrifice? We can go through the motions. We can hang on the moves of God in the past. We can talk about Azusa Street Revival. There's nothing wrong with that. Why not have another? It comes through sacrifice. It wasn't easy. It was a little patty cake. God, won't you move in this place? Okay, now what can we have for McDonald's? It was ours it was hard it wasn't pretty it was God I'm praying right now it was sowing through tears sowing through blood and pain that says God I'm going to sacrifice anything if it means that you are moving in Medora if it means that you're gonna move in my family I'm willing to sacrifice my promises that you've given me as long as I get in your presence as long as I get with you God Lord God don't let us prop ourselves on our traditions that say that we can only have a move of God if the lights are just right if we're having the fog machines. But God, let to be a sacrifice in our hearts that says no matter what, I'm willing to sacrifice if it hurts, if it doesn't feel right. God, let me bring my sacrifice. Yesterday's sacrifice isn't going to work for today. I can't pick up the lamb that I burnt and burn it again. It doesn't work like that. Where is our sacrifice? Stop giving up a sacrifice that's already been burned up. Sacrifice is renewal. It's constant. It's every time we come into our homes, into the house of God, it's a sacrifice. There's something that we need to notice of this sacrifice of Isaac. Even though God did not let Abraham go on with it. Go on through the sacrifice of this promised son. This sacrifice was to be a sacrifice of obedience. That was what was behind it. Everybody say "Obedience." obedience. Sometimes that's a hard pill to swallow. God was testing Abraham's obedience. Will you really do what I've called you to do? Are you who you think you are? then I'm going to test you through obedience. The test of obedience is a test that is always happening to the children of God. Our tithes and offering are a test to our obedience. Being consistent in the house of God is a test to our obedience. It's a sacrifice of obedience. It's expected of us. The sacrifice of obedience is expected of us. Doing what the pastor says, even though we do not agree with it, is a test to our obedience. So this was a sacrifice of obedience. Everybody say a sacrifice of obedience. You see, God couldn't care less about the wood. He couldn't care less. He didn't make sure that the wood was cut at the right angles, that it was stacked so perfectly in the T.P. fashion. He didn't care about that. He didn't make sure the fire was at a certain temperature to signify something super deep and meaningful. No, the item of most importance was the sacrifice. God only cares about your sacrifice. He longs for the smell of your sacrifice. It doesn't have to smell good. It doesn't smell pleasing. You know in the Old Testament it smelled like burning flesh but to God it was beautiful because it signified something greater. It signified that God I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get into your presence. Doing whatever it takes to get close to you. Can he smell the sin of sacrifice on you today? Can he smell the work that you've gone through today? says it doesn't look pretty it doesn't matter but God I give this to you yeah. yes. can he smell the old you burning have you repented today have you burnt your old self today to continue Paul said I die daily that's a sacrifice of obedience I wonder right now, if we can obey Romans 12 and 1, just for a few moments. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable servant. Can we just lift up our hands and repent today? God, forgive me. Lord, I am a sinner. Jesus I give myself to you, God. Everything that I've done, God, that was wrong. Burn it up, Jesus. Burn my old man, God. Lord, I don't want to be the same person I was. I know this doesn't feel right. I know it's not good to me, God, but it's a healing. It's sacrifice, God. Good comes out of it, Jesus. Lord, your promises still come out of it, God. Lord, even though I've got to burn my sin, even though I've got to burn my flesh, God, it's a sacrifice that I am willing willing to take as long as I can be close to you Jesus Lord as long as I can be in your presence as long as Medora sees revival as long as family sees revival I will sacrifice whatever you've told me to I will sacrifice whatever you've called me to Jesus as long as I repent before you God I will be holy unto you Jesus I will be acceptable unto you God I bring my whole worship I repent before you God it's all about sacrifice, church. You see, what we're doing right now, God smells something beautiful in the room. It's the sin of sacrifice. It's the smell that brings in God. See, when we lift up our prayers of repentance, it is like the incense in the Old Testament of lifting up an aroma of prayer before the Lord that invites him into this place. You truly want God in your homes. Lifts up prayer. That scent of sacrifice draws in God. God only wants the best from his people. So to change the subject for a moment. The human nose is an interesting thing. Let's talk about repentance to noses. Some can be nosy. Ugh. The human nose is a very interesting thing. Did you know that the nose never quits growing? For as long as, you, however old you are, from one year old to 200, whatever, your nose will constantly grow. Sometimes, you know, you can wish it doesn't. My nose is really crooked. Some of you may not know that. I've actually broken my nose twice. One was thanks to my father. It was in basketball. Don't don't get mad at (laughs) him. All throughout your life, your nose grows with you. The sense of smell is one of the most important of the five human senses. The sense of smell can tell us a lot of things. It can alert us of danger, of a gas leak, a fire, rotten food. Your nose will pick up on that and alert you. The nose is able to detect up to 10,000 different odor molecules at a time. 10,000. And the human nose is registered on one of the lowest noses of all. Because you know, dogs have one of the highest. Up to 80% of our taste is actually smell. 80%. The human tongue can only taste four different tastes. And that is sweet, sour, bitter, and salt. Sweet, sour, bitter, and salt. Everything else that you taste is through the nose. It's all smell. It's wild, isn't it? Smell can also be closely linked to parts of the brain that react to our emotions and memories. You ever, think, you ever smell something? And you're like, why did that memory just pop in my head? It's that smell. It's a smell. If someone were to permanently lose their sense of smell it could actually change the way they eat. Because without smell, food then becomes flavorless. That's why like, whenever you have a cold or the flu and your nose is all stoppy and you like look back on the times that you took your nose for granted, you can't taste anything. Everything tastes bland. It's the worst. But you can't, you can't taste anything at all. Scientists even say that in extreme cases of smell loss, it led to victims going into deep depression. That's wild. Smell, it's important. Your schnaiz, it's important. Luke seven and thirty-six. And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him, and he went to the Pharisees' house and sat down to meet. Here we will begin to see the second kind of sacrifice. The second type of sacrifice. Earlier in this chapter, we have seen Jesus heal the centurion's servant. He raised the widow's son from the dead. He reminded John the Baptist who he truly is. Luke 7 is a very powerful chapter. And here we see in the story of Jesus entering into the home of Simon the Pharisee. Verse 37, behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at me in the Pharisee's house, brought, an alabaster box. We do not know a lot about this woman. All we know of this woman is the very same thing that we can know about every single person. She was a sinner like you and like me. We are all sinners. John Gill writes in his commentary on this verse, which was a sinner A notorious sinner, one that was known by all to have been a person of a wicked life and conversation. A lewd woman, a vile prostitute, a harlot, commonly reputed so. The Arabic word here used signifies both a sinner and a whore. Some tough things to be said about somebody. She's gone through some tough things. But this woman was about to show her true self. You see, we can all be our fake selves, but it's when the time of sacrifice comes that your real, real self is shown. She knew she had a past. She knew she had a story. She knew the bad things that she had done in her life, but all of that didn't matter to her because the only thing that mattered to her that Jesus was in the room. Amen. You see, you and I could be sinners today. We all have passed. We all have done things that I'm not proud of. But it doesn't matter what you think of me. And it shouldn't matter what I think of you. The only thing that should matter to you is that God is in the room. Somebody say, He's in the room. Say it like you know it. He's in the room. Jesus is in the room. The one who made the sinners free. The one who saved each and every one of us. He's in the room. Jesus is in the room. The one who washes my sins away. He's in the room. Luke 7, 38. And she stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with her tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. The woman did not care who was around her. It didn't matter that she was at a special dinner party with all these very religious people. That didn't matter to her. All that mattered to her was that her Savior was in the room. It didn't matter. The circumstances didn't have to be right for her. The circumstances shouldn't be right for us to bring our sacrifices unto God. It should just say, God, I am a sinner. I've done things I'm not proud of. I've done things that are wrong, but I know what you're capable of. I know that one drop of your blood has saved me. I know that by faith, I can be set free. All I've gotta do is bring my sacrifice like the woman do not care who is around you do not care what people say about you because the only thing that matters is what God thinks about you and if he smells the sin of your sacrifice then he says you are forgiven he says you are redeemed he says you are made free there is only one who can wash all sins so I don't care what you think if I come broken before the Lord if I'm crying and weeping if I wash his feet with my tears. Jesus. I don't care what you think. Forgiveness is coming to me. We must be like the woman and bow at the feet of Jesus. Oh God, I want to bring my sacrifice to you. You see, the Pharisee saw this woman and what she was doing and thought it to be wrong. Verse 39 of Luke 7. Now when the Pharisee, which had been him, saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that touched him. For she is a sinner. Get out of here, sinner woman. Get out. Be gone. Do you know who you're touching? you know whose feet you're bowing to? This world wants to bow to idols. We, we need to bow to something greater. At the feet of the one who says I'm whole, of the feet of the one that no matter what I've done, I can still come to him and say, "God forgive me. God, I bring my sacrifice of repentance, and he says, "You're forgiven, you are whole." Thank you, Jesus. Jesus answered, said unto him, "Simon? I have somewhat to say unto thee. I got something to say to you, boy. (laughs) Some of you may have gone through something very similar to this. You've stepped out of your comfort zone in a church service or a meeting, and someone tried to shame you. What are you doing? Don't you know what you've done? Maybe the enemy is giving you thoughts. You can't be forgiven. Can you think of the things you've done? The dirty rags that cover you? The sins, the atrocities, the abominations that you've committed, you can't be clean. God can't forgive you for what you've done. But Jesus had to correct the religious man, this man that was supposed to know how this was supposed to go. He was supposed to know how to conduct himself around the Lord. Yet when Jesus entered the home, he did not offer to wash his feet. The woman cried on the master's feet. The Pharisee would not greet Jesus with a kiss. The woman had not stopped kissing his feet. The Pharisee would not anoint the head of Jesus. The woman anointed his feet the sacrifice is a sacrifice of the sinner that is the second sacrifice that we are called to give unto god first we give the sacrifice of obedience that's what's called to us that is what's appointed to us we're expected to give that what's next is our sacrifice the sinner's sacrifice Abraham showed us how to sacrifice through obedience. The woman showed us how to sacrifice as sinners. God wants your sacrifice. The oil that she broke on his feet was very valuable. It was worth over a year's wages. It was an investment to her. For someone to have that, it was an investment to the woman. It was an investment of her forgiveness it was an investment I know that I'm going to see Jesus one day one time I'm going to get in his presence and I'm going to bring this and it's going to be my sacrifice if I've got to kneel at his feet and break it over his feet if I cry in my brokenness I'm still going to receive my forgiveness through it even though it may not look pretty those around me may not do the things that I do but it's my sacrifice that I'm bringing unto God and through this great things are coming through this it may not hurt it may feel bad it may not feel right but i'm gonna get my forgiveness it's through sacrifice the pharisee sacrifice was worth nothing to god but the woman was forgiven I'm sorry I didn't give you this, but seven, Luke seven forty-seven. Wherefore, I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. Yes. Amen. That's it. That's it. Amen. it doesn't have to be in a gray area. When you bring your sacrifice unto God, you're forgiven. Every time doesn't matter what you've done doesn't matter what you walk through doesn't matter the lines you've crossed If you bring a true sacrifice under God, you're forgiven every time you're forgiven. I'm broken. I'm forgiven. I'm a sinner. I'm forgiven. I'm lost I'm forgiven every time For she loved much but to whom little is forgiven the same love the little and he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at me with him began to say unto themselves, who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said unto the woman, thy faith has saved thee. Go in peace. The Pharisees still won't give up. People around you may not give up and saying that you're wrong, that you're trash, that you're a sinner, that you're a whore, that you're a harlot, that you've done things that are unforgivable. But my God says, by faith you are made free, by your sacrifice you are made whole, by everything that you've done I have forgiven you. Can we bring our sacrifices to God right now? It says, God, I am a sinner. I am wrong. I've done things. But through you, I'm made whole. You see, only the woman could understand the impact and the importance of what she was doing. The Pharisees couldn't see that. Sometimes we get too religious in our ways. Religious. Sometimes we think too high of ourselves. (laughs) I can't bow to Jesus anymore. Sometimes my knees hurt. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. I want to sit where I'm comfortable and worship God in the way that I'm comfortable. And then I can get forgiveness that way. God's not looking for that. He's looking for the sense of sacrifice. That's something that's taken time. Something that's taken an investment. That's taken that's your hard work. That says, God, I am wrong in the things that I've done. I have sinned and I have come show glory of the glory of God. Sometimes it gets flustered. Guzik, I think I said that right, wrote in one of his commentaries of the works done in this chapter, this is the greatest sickness that is healed, as in the centurion's servant, or life that is restored, as in the widow's son, are not permanent works of healing. Because those bodies will one day die again. But the sins that are forgiven <laughs> are forgiven forever. I'm sorry if I come broken today. It's because I've realized that when I come to God and through sacrifice, the slate is white clean. Every sin I've committed, it's gone. It's in the sea of forgiveness. If you know where I come from, if you know the things I've been through, you would understand why I cry, why I bow at the feet of Jesus. It's because I've done some things that are too wrong, but he still sees me as his child. He sees me as whole. He sees me as forgiven. I am not in the wrong. I've done some things that were bad, but I am forgiven. Let us not be a church that will continue. If Let us not continue being the church if we are not willing to bring a real sacrifice. I'm not going to give my patty cat, patty pat prayer and faith and worship anymore i'm done i'm done with that i'm done with mediocre worship i'm done with lukewarm praise i'm done with a half-hearted prayer it's time that the church start bringing a sacrifice unto god it's going to be bloody it's not going to smell pleasing to us but god smells the scent of sacrifice and through that comes forgiveness through that comes wholesomeness through that comes redemption through that comes salvation some of you have been dealing with this virus and with COVID-19 you've gotten cold let's be real today some of us have gotten cold be real with yourself have I lost my step with God I've done things that I shouldn't have pastored in the times that I've been alone. I've fallen into past addictions that I shouldn't have. Come on, church, let's be real with ourselves today. Have you done some things in the time when you were alone that you shouldn't have been doing? But, oh God, if I could just bow at your feet one last time. I am fucking that. It's about the sacrifice. It's about the sacrifice. Can we stand to our feet right now? Can we clear the chairs out? Let's just pray unto God right now. The Spirit's moving right now. God's working on someone right now in this place. Let's lift up voice. Thank you for joining us today. We pray you have been encouraged. If you would like more information about Medora Pentecostal Church, you can check out our website at www.medorachurch.com.